has been like, you know, sometimes you have like these, these, these great weeks and these horrible weeks kind of like all rolled into one. And I feel like I was sicker this week than I've been in months, but I'm, I'm good now. I'm good now. So don't, I'm not, well, yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, but I've also seen, I don't know, just kind of God's hand in our week this week. And, um. Sometimes it feels really hard to hold on to the, the really great things that are happening, you know, but, um, or, or they can just get overshadowed by nothing. You know, do you ever find that in your story? Like when God's doing something great, these little nothing things come and they catch your attention and they sweep it away. You know, like, you know, Golden Valley's found out that the program that's filled us up and gotten us lots of funding over the last year is extended for another six months. I mean, that's amazing for us out here. Like we've been you know, talking and working at how are we going to have all that we need. And then, you know, news comes on Friday. And it's like, I can just forget about that in a minute and not even go, ah, Jesus, thank you that we're just going to have everything we need for another year. You know, what a gift, you know, or you know, we had 21 people, 21 groups show up to our open yeah. yesterday. Uh, 21 groups. Yeah. Which is just unbelievable, honestly. And it's like, well, wow, God, you know, like it's a uh, good things happening. So. But um, as I'm laying in bed sick on, I think it was Monday, it was Monday, uh, I get a phone call from Az, and, uh, and I have my phone on silent, so I missed a call about an hour later, and then he called back in the afternoon, I'm like, oh, Az doesn't call twice in a day unless there's something going on, pick up the phone. And uh, he had a story to tell of God showing up in his world on Monday morning, and yeah, can, can you come and share it with us, just to sure. encourage our hearts with the things that are encouraging you? Mm. Good to see you today. Yeah. Come on, take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> take a seat. You telling me to take a seat? No, no, oh, I'm not. I'm going to take, take a seat. seat. I thought you said take well, a seat. Very I'm close take here. a seat, mate. It's going to be a bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm here. I'll heckle from the back row. That's good with a microphone as well. It's excellent. This is how I like my hecklers loud. <laughs> yeah, as, as Brad said, um, yeah, we had, we had a really cool day on Monday morning and, um, Life's been pretty busy recently, and um, I, and I guess just to preface the story is it's um, yeah, like God is interested in our like everyday life, I, and I, I really believe that, and I and I think that this is just was another example of that that it, the things that He says that you know when He's interested in just normal everyday things, and that if you hand these things over to Him, He'll you know like He's interested in them, and so. Um, I'll go backwards and forwards a bit, but on, on Saturday, last Saturday, we we had a uh, Thrive morning, and um, I wasn't particularly prepared or hadn't really done a lot during the week, so I was sort of that naughty school kid kind of feeling when you're turning up going, well, I'll just sink back here in the back. <laughs> um, and... Uh, but it was really, it was a really great day, and then, and then one um, one part uh, was uh, we, were, we were asked to pray for each other uh, for what Jesus would be praying for us, uh, and which is was a kind of an interesting thing for me, and I'm trying to get my head around that. And um, anyway, James James uh, prayed for me, and, and uh, he had this picture for me that was uh, that that I was experiencing this a, a wall. Uh, and I was trying to find doors through that wall uh, and trying to trying to open up a, a like a small door through the wall to get through this wall. And God was going to 
push this wall down for me. And uh, straight away, I knew exactly what it was about. It was related to work and to, to flip back. Um, I had, uh, I'd won some work recently, which was really great. Um, but on that, I'd, uh, our major client, uh, it ended up being a conflict of interest with them. So uh, I couldn't really, even though contractually uh, it was fine, from a relationship point of view, um, they, uh, yeah, they said that it wasn't okay and it had gone to a board level and um, that they'd, they'd said that it wasn't okay that we were working for essentially what was their competition as well. So that was really disappointing. Uh, and so I was looking for a way uh, to be able to do this work, make everybody happy. And so I'd seen a bunch of different ways and I thought maybe if I employ someone, it's like technically not me doing the job, like it would be somebody else doing the job. And then, um, and I'd got an email on Friday afternoon going, so where is this at? Like what's going on with it? And, uh, and I didn't have an answer because I was really, I really wanted to keep the work. Uh, but everyone who I'd rung and I, I had no easy way out. Anyway, so I rang up a, f a friend of mine who's got another business that's similar to mine. I said, hey, here's some work and it's probably, you know, north of $30,000 worth of work, like profit for someone to take on. But it was in a year's time that it would come to fruition. And so, so it's sort of like, you're just ringing up someone like saying, hey, here's 20, 30 grand, you know, kind of thing. And his answer was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be, I don't know if I can take this on because um, what, what happens if I'm busy that week? <laughs> Which is interesting in business um, because if you, if you took that on uh, with all your work, uh, like at the camp, you go, we can't take any bookings because someone else might book like in the future do you know like it's that kind of thing like we can't we can't do so like and this was a long time out like a, over a year away it's like yeah he's he, that's was his answer and he had some other reasons for that but it was really bizarre because i've never heard anyone say well we won't take it on because we might be busy not because they couldn't do it or they didn't want to or anything like that but just they might be busy it seemed ridiculous and that was pretty much my last thought of how to do this and then saturday morning so that's friday night saturday morning turn up and say I've been trying to find these little doors of getting through the of of getting through this and I'm like oh, okay this is definitely what this is about because I've tried every different way God like I've I've tried now just to give this totally away <laughs> still can't do that um and yeah so we're looking for this wall to fall over so Monday morning turns around uh and I get a phone call from my client who's stopping me doing this work and they said oh look we've been thinking about this over the weekend um and then she sort of stopped and said well firstly i just want to apologize um for the way we've been behaving so this is like pretty heavy kind of corporate person who's saying this and she's on behalf of a board and so some of the board members are like uh, the head of shell the head of bp the head of like heavy hitters in like um in corporate land but she rang up to apologize and to say that what they'd been doing wasn't fair and that you're allowed to just go and do whatever you wanted to do and uh which really took me back because it, it like literally so the friday night she'd sent me an email going hey where this is at like have you have you sorted this do you know that was friday afternoon <laughs> And then Monday morning was like, don't worry about it at all. 
Um, and it was, to me, it was a wall because I'd tried every other door that I could, could, could come up with and it was a wall that had been pushed over for me. And, yeah, I still don't, I haven't really kind of come to grips with it. But it, it just shows the goodness. To me, it gave me encouragement and it gave me the ability to kind of go through the day and kind of go, wow, I'm really, like God is really in this with me. Do you know, he's really interested in the things, in, in clothing us and in 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 doing these things with us um which yeah and he wants to want uh, for me he wanted he wants to know he wants us to know that he's along there with us i guess and that was the interesting thing i think brad mentioned this morning it's kind of going why why is this and that's interesting like why tell us like why was saturday relevant like because this could have just happened do you know and I, I think that because he, he, like, did he want us to get that work? Maybe. Like, probably not that important, though. There's other work that he could get us. But I think he wanted he wanted me to know that he is in this with us, do you know. he's He's got this for us. And it doesn't matter how small or, or whatever it is or whether it's a big thing or whether it's a long way away, that he wants to be a part of it. And it really helped me. It really helped me um, be reminded of that. I guess. And so anyway, that's my story. It sounds like very superficial, but I think when you put that aspect of that that he that that he's kind of reminding us along the way, you know, it was exciting. So anyway, that's a, a little thrive story, which was fun. So yeah. Oh, look at that! He's getting reeled right in. Maybe just sit a sit a seat right here for Mars. <laughs> We don't, we don't make it move. I don't mind it, but yes. Well, yeah, we got a few crew sick this morning. We're sick as sick, but anyway, we'll get past it. We've got a few crew on holidays. We don't want to hear about that because we're here where it's cold. Don't want to talk about the people in the sunshine. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I was driving here this morning and I don't, I don't know, drives to church, or uh, I, I'm not really too sure, Ella really loves Sunday mornings, I'm not really too sure how, or why, but she just knows this is going to be a good morning somehow, like I'm going to see my friends, I, she, we go a certain way, and so she knows, and she's just like laughing, and talking, and having the best time, and yeah, so I feel like I got a little joy recharge on the way here this morning, and I feel like it's in sync with the topic of this morning, um, you know, we sort of, we did something unprecedented and pre-mapped out topics sort of now until Christmas, sort of in sync with our house weeks and, you know, to let Ali kind of sink the kids stuff in with it and stuff like that. And yeah, so we put this one down a while ago, but this morning we're talking about hope, a powerful hope. And uh, yeah, it got me, you know, I've sort of been thinking about it um, throughout the last few days for sure on this idea of like, well, what is the object of my hope? You know, what is the object of my hope? You know, I, th I think in questions a lot. So it was like, well, what have I affixed my hope to or placed my hope on? It's like, what's the, what's the object of my hope? And you know, as I think about that, like, there's a lot of things that we could place our hope upon. And, and I might go to Jesus for hope, for the thing that, you know, I'm hoping for, or the, 
the thing that has my hope fixed to it, you know? But like, as you think about it, like what kind of things do we fix hope to? Like what has, what is our, what is the object of our hope? Maybe it seems like a unrelatable question, but like, let's see if we can tease some vacation. Ben's got hope that there's going to be a vacation or that the vacation is going to deliver something good. Okay. So you've fixed hope on your vacation that this is going to refresh and renew and restore. So the object of my hope is actually restoration via vacation. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Like what's, what's, what's got, what's our hope fixed to? What's an object of our hope? What kind of things? Reputation, James said. James liked that you would have a good reputation, so you hope for a reputable existence. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, I like that. That's kind of a more of a long-term one. Like, you know, Ben's got some short-term hope that this week is going to be restorative. James wants to live a life of good repute. Yeah. What else does he think about it? Comfort, okay, less pain. Yeah, that's in, yeah. Like you're talking like physical. Yeah. yeah. Physical. Yeah, okay. Sure. Is that what you mean? I'm just asking. Uh, yeah. Like I had a gout attack this week. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't walk yesterday. Gout attack. Yeah. Curtis hoping that there would be a more comfortable, less painful yeah. day yeah. coming. Yeah. 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 Hope for a good dinner. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna reserve all jokes. No, I'm sure. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sure. Well, I think that's true. If we're being honest, Curtis, like sometimes we sit here in church thinking about lunch or thinking about going out this afternoon, and we place hope that there's gonna be a enjoyable existence around the corner because yeah. this moment's uncomfortable or it's not fun or oh, I'm a bit bored or yeah sure we can put our hope in dinner being yeah. satisfying sure sure for sure we can yeah what, what else what, what other objects of hope do we have yeah Leila's saying like a hope that she could experience more peace and joy and be free to live in more peace and joy. Yeah, so like an inner reality, emotional existence, hope. Yeah. 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 Even Curtis's? All right, I'm just checking. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Keep us. Yeah. Hey, man, leave, leave the message to me. Don't go preaching the whole thing all in one foul swoop. Just, a, just settle down, man. Give a, give a guy a chance. Don't let him cut to the, cut to the line. Keith's saying he's got you know, a picture of a rainbow that's full of faces, the people of this community, and really that you know, hope for him is about a life, yes, that he'd live, but also that we'd share together. That really is uh, you know, the picture of what God has for us. Yeah, there's a, that's, a God, that's an object of hope for you that we would experience that which God has for us. I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh hope can be really hard to put our hands on like it can feel elusive. You know, like it can feel like, "Oh, I've got it." Oh, oh, where to go? You know, I don't know if it's like that for you, but it's like, "Oh, I can get my hands on it." And then all of a sudden, slips out the back end. Where did it go? What happened? Um, you know, or or it can feel like there's moments where um, hope feels like a distant friend who I knew 10 years ago, but I'm not really too sure uh, who hope is anymore. You know, if we think about our relationship with hope in those terms, I think any of that's, um, you know, relatable and understandable and reasonable. Uh, but I think, you know, um, this morning we want to look at our reality of hope that we're called to live in that is so powerful and so unshakable that there's, uh, no circumstance or no situation that could rob the hope that we as followers of Christ are called uh, to know. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak for myself and suggest that, that is a, this is an aspirational uh, presentation. But I think it's, um, I think I'm finding pieces of it that, uh, that hold me. And maybe, maybe I'll get to talk about a few of those things. But yeah, I think objects of our hope, and we've talked a lot about them here, could be focused on relationship or a, rela or a relational reality. You know, maybe we find ourselves uh, in a position of being single and the, and the hope that we have is that we might find our someone. You know, or maybe we find ourselves in a marriage and we have a hope for something for our marriage that isn't there today. Or maybe we find ourselves in a relationship with our kids and we have a hope for something for our family. Uh, maybe we have a broader sense of that. Maybe we share life with a group of people and we have a hope for something that we would share together. You know, some maybe what Keith is talking about. You know, but hope can be, an object of hope can be something relational. An object of hope can be something financial or material. I really hope one day we can buy that house. I really hope one day we can get a dog. I really hope one day I could have that phone or that watch. You know, we put our hope in funny things, don't we? You know, like, oh, life will be good when... Oh, I just can't wait until we can take those really good holidays. Oh, I just can't wait until we can get our kids whatever they want. Oh, I just can't wait until we can go out for those kind of dinners and we can put our hope on material things or a financial reality that, that gives us that. You know, our hope can be on life events or, or a lifestyle, you know. Um, you know, when life looks like this or when this occurs or when this happens, whatever that might be, or when, um, when my existence... Uh, is imagine this way, then, you know, then, then, then. And it could be an emotional state, like what Lila was talking about, or an internal reality. I could put my hope on just being free from this anxiety, or this fear, or this worry, or this depression, or this angst, or this disappointment, or this shame, or, you know, our hope can be for something to shift in here and be different internally for us. That can be my source of hope, that I would just one day not feel this way anymore. You know, our hope can be fixed on that. 
You know, it could be on reconciliation or restoration of something that's been lost. It might be like trying to get back to somewhere I once was or once experienced. You know, we apply our hope to lots of little things and lots of big things. Uh, and, you know, there is a, a reality of hope where, where we apply it. You know, the enemy loves to get us to apply hope on things that are going to disappoint. You know, because that's a discouraging and defeating place where we are vulnerable. And so when I start affixing hope to things where it doesn't belong, or when I put my hope on something that isn't solid, you know, I become like the, the person that is, is talked about in the parable where Jesus talks about building our house on the sand. You know, these are the emotional parts of us. Hope is tied to the really deep desire part of me. You know, and sometimes we can have been disappointed enough that it feels like hope is too risky, and then fear rules the house. You know, because fear will come and tell you that it's too risky to hope. And disappointment leads us to partner with a fear that says hope is too scary. And we might be able to relate to that. You know, when I've put hope in something where hope didn't belong and it didn't come through, hope gets thrown out the window and gets said it's too unsafe. It's not a place that's, that's realistic to live and it's not a reasonable place for me to position myself because uh, I don't know the hope that doesn't disappoint. That scripture talks about. Yeah, and so I think we need an object for our hope that's safe and sure and helps us build our house on a rock that goes there as a surety that goes, this is where I can place my hope, you know? And I think hope is tied to the parts of us that dream, that envisage, that desire, that want, you know, the deep parts of me that, uh, that are made to propel me forward into a future. And, and if we're honest, Hope can feel scary. It can feel too good to be true. It can feel too risky. You know, and, and, and I think we've got we, we've to let the parts of us that have experienced disappointment come to life again that we might be free to hope because it's an important part of reaching for all that God's made us for. And I think it is something he desires us to live in, hope. And, and I'll confess for myself, sometimes it just feels safer to resign myself to uh, uh, I mean, what would be the opposite of hope? Hopelessness as a very you get into the heavy words here. What was that? Mundane. Yeah. Settling. Yeah. Stagnant. I mean, you could go more intense, despair. You know, despair leads to a complacency that says there's nothing for me and there's no future. And unfortunately, this is it, yeah. Unfortunately, that's all too relatable. Like even as I look around and we start to talk about this, you know, we can, we can feel the real connections in this, you know, in a place where hope uh, feels just out of reach. You know, uh, but, um, you know, for me, I, I've talked a bit about, um, you know, two books that both talked about giving up, you know, that I read when we were away on our holiday that seems like a lifetime ago. It must be time again, Leela. Take me to the sunshine. Uh, but, um, yeah, and I, and I became to realize that I'd given up. You know, both of these books were talking about 
you know, giving up comes in these subtle little ways that it's like you, you don't all in one foul swoop just give up. It's it's just this erosion of, um, yeah, kind of letting give up creep in. And, and for me, giving up meant hope just wasn't on the scene. It just meant, this is meant, well, I'm not going to like stop gutting it out. I'm not going to stop existing. That's, that's not the extremity of give up for me. Give up means I'm not going to live with passion. I'm not going to live with a belief of a really positive, powerful future. I'm not going to live embracing the story that God talks about. In fact, as he talks about it, I'm dismissing it. Yeah, and that, that for me was giving up. You know, I really love the story that you shared this morning as uh, um, because it speaks to partnering with something. You know, it, it really speaks to, and not because you did it, you didn't do anything, but you received it. You know, on Saturday morning, I sat beside you, I was in the same group as as and James, so I kind of got a front row seat to the proceedings, and it's like, as received it, he was like, okay, uh, that's true, that's God, that's for my situation, here's what it's for, well, and, and, and that is. Yeah, that's Jesus. You know, you, you know, as was a little dumbfounded, you know, that, um, that, that, you know, James could reach for what Jesus was praying for and it could be so present and so practical and so applicable. Well, and then on Monday, you know, God comes and pulls the wall down. You know, those are stories that are chinks in the chain of hopelessness to go, there is a God who has a plan, who sees my life who knows me intimately and personally and who is partnering with this existence to produce something of himself. And no executive in any company is beyond the power of God to move in the heart of a person. You know, and, and that, that's, a, that's a powerful story because it's the, it's the conscience of a person who's driven to pick up a phone and call as and say, I'm sorry. And we know that. We know who's in the business of of, hey, I've been thinking about this over the weekend, and I'm sorry. You know, we know who wells up conviction within the heart of man. And so God came, pulled down a wall, and did what you got no business doing and couldn't do for yourself if you wanted. And it's like, okay, so he is able, he's capable, he's powerful, he's strong, he can do what he would do. But now, like, am I coming to him with a hope that says, serve my life in the way in which I want? Because if as, as didn't, as didn't pick up the, this is what we do on the back of a story like what we heard from as this morning. So we walk into the thing that we have unanswered, the problem that we have unsolved, and we go, God's going to solve it. Well, well, that's not what as did. As had someone on his behalf, which he could do for himself or he could do, we could do on behalf of each other, go and say, Jesus, what are you praying for? And Jesus pulled this out and said, this is what I'm going to do. Well, now that's worth hoping in. But as going, Jesus, you solve this. Well, I mean, I'm not sure it always works that way. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure that Jesus is the vending machine of giving me whatever I hope for. When I put my hope in the thing that I've decided is going to be best, that's a dangerous place to put my hope. When I put my hope in what I want, that's a very dangerous place to put my hope. When I put my hope in the plan that I have for my own life or the purpose in which I've imagined my existence to be, that's a dangerous place to put hope because that's a solid 50-50 chance. But when Jesus says, I'm going to pull the wall down, that's a for sure. 
Uh, that's a safe place to put my hope. That's a really safe object for hope. And uh, let's get to a verse. Gosh, I, go, I don't have a time. I'm off rails here. We're going to move? Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Let's get to a verse. We're, we're almost there. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Let's read it again. It's really short. Let's just, let's just, let's just receive this idea into our, into our hoper. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Yeah. You know, and it is an act of the Holy Spirit to well up within us a hope. You know, and it is an act of his spirit to well up hope within us. And when the object of my hope becomes a spiritual source revealing that to me which hope belongs in, when my hope is in Jesus, when my hope is in Jesus, it's a safe place. You know, but there are some objects of hope that need to get bumped out of the, the, the hope bucket. To hope in Jesus, this is a this is a re, a relational reality, you know, because because hope isn't where this equation starts, you know. There is a a trust that we begin to foster in who God is, and that's a relational reality. That's not a oh I trust the words I trust that you know trust is something that goes oh well you are reliable you are for sure you're certain you're good you're for me. I'm going to trust you. Trust is, is, is something that we put in God first. Faith is the specific activation of that trust relationship to step out. So, so trust is exemplified in the faith that we take. And then hope is, is what we hold on to when that which we have taken faith for is yet to be seen. Because yeah, as, as, as we'll hear in the verses to come, hope is not necessary when you see it. Hope, hope is for the unseen things. Hope is for what's yet to be. Hope is for the vision for the future. It's for the things that are on the horizon. It's for the non-instant response. Hope is what we apply to that which God has asked us to hold on to, even though we can't see it yet. You know, it's kind of like, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, I think trust is like, a stake that we've been handed, like a, 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 you know, like when you put up like a big marquee, you know, they take these big steel stakes that, you know, are as thick as my arm and they drive them into the ground with sledgehammers. Like think of them putting up a big circus tent, you know, driving them in with a sledgehammer, you know, trust is like that stake and it's no good unless it's driven into the ground. It doesn't have power and it doesn't have strength unless it's actually driven into the ground and I can hold trust in my hands and do nothing with it. Oh, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And it's like faith is like the sledgehammer that comes and drives the stake in. It's like faith is I'm going to drive this stake deep and now it has something to offer. And then hope, hope is like the, the guy wire that holds the tent to the stake. 
You know, it's like it needs something to attach itself to. Hope needs something to hold on to. And hope is an active faith that stepped out to say, this is going to be even though I can't see it. And the faith that I've taken is built on a trust that I've fostered in a God who's going to be good. And that relationship can break down anywhere. I can trust God, but not take courage to take faith. And faith is always an act of courage. It's always an act of courage built on a relationship of trust. And then the, the trust that I've built and the faith that I've taken leads to a hope that I can hold on to in an unseen reality yet to come because my God is and I've chosen and this is what's going to be. And I think for us, it can seem so risky to hope in something that we hold by faith, but honestly, I think it's more risky not to. I think it's more risky not to because then my hope is in me. My hope is in myself if I'm deciding and determining what the future is going to hold and then I'm holding on to hope for that. Oh, I hope we can get a house. Well, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Oh, I, I hope we're going to have whatever, you know. It's like, but when Jesus comes and you say, Jesus, what's on your heart? And he goes, I've got a house for you. Oh, that's a different story. Now, do I trust him? I'm going to put faith in him. I'm going to drive that stake down and go, well, I can't see that yet, but that's worth hoping for. You know, but what if he says the opposite? I've got an incredible life for you and it doesn't involve owning a house. Can I hold on to that and, and let him give me something in the mix of that, that by faith I can put hope in, you know? And, and these are the things for our lives, but then, oh man, I'm, we're, we're, we're dragging on, but... You know, what about, what, what about the place that says, uh, what can we hope for that's beyond our own existence and benefit? And what is Jesus hoping for? What's on his heart? What's he fixed his mind on? Because we know he'll prove his love for us. That's, that's, that's the starting point. But at some point, he establishes his goodness, this trust in who he is and what he has. And in some form, he grows our faith to the point where we will drive it deep and hold to hope for the things he has. And then at some point, he begins to share his heart with us and go, would you begin to hope with me for the kingdom of God? Would you begin to hope for me for the plans that are in the Father's heart? Would you begin to hope with me for a reality that's beyond your own existence or your own lifestyle or your own advantage or advancement? And I think that's a powerful place when the things that I begin to hope for have little to do with me and much to do with him. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a big challenge. Yeah, I think in the it's okay. In the mix of in the mix of um in the mix of hope, you know, fear constantly is coming to steal hope and suggest it's too good to be true. Yeah, that that that's that's you know, when I think about it, I think, well, what robs me of hope? What takes my hope? It's like, ah, oh, you know, that's that's not gonna come to pass. Or it's you just you just making this up or, you know, and I think, I think that's where we've got to take these, these stakes of trusting God and drive them deep with faith 
and hold on with all that we are to the things that God's promised. And you know, the most reassuring things for me are not outcome-based promises. You know, I have not found stabilizing hope in specific lifestyle-based promises. You know, things that God said to us is, you're going to have money, you're going to have a kid, you know, there's more. There's more that's beyond that, that's not been seen, that are outcome-based, lifestyle-based promises of God. I'll tell you the reassuring promises that have been strong tethers for me in times of uncertainty. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There is nothing that can separate you from my love. There is no condemnation for those who believe in Christ Jesus. These promises of God have been so hopeful for me in moments where messages have come to say there's no place for you. There's nothing God's got for you. There's no future in this. This is not a good thing or a good path. You know, these promises of God that say there is nothing that can separate me from a God who loves me. I live for a God who will never leave me, who will never forsake me, who will never move away from me. I live with a God who does not deal with me in condemnation, but deals with me in absolute grace. You know, these things have been reassuring, hope-filled promises of God that go, I'm loved, I'm secure, I belong, and I'll have a future. If I put this in relational terms, when I think about all of my life falling apart, I think about losing all my money, all my friends, all the things that this world has to offer to me, and all the things that I love about the life that I have. Yeah, I, I, go, to some, I go to a place where I go, I know Lila will always love me. And I know I share together in something with her that it doesn't matter where we are or what our existence looks like or what we have in this world, I'll be loved. But even that isn't the safest place to hope. Because what if my story is Job's? But nothing can take away the presence of Jesus from my life. No matter what I face, no matter where I go, no matter what this life looks like, if he's with me, I think I can do it. And if he's got something on his heart that he'd like to include me in, I think I'd like to put my hope on that. That God could accomplish something wonderful that serves and glorifies him. And, and yes, that may not lead to a reputation. That may not lead to my benefit. That may not lead to... Uh, everyone thinking that I'm uh, a somebody. It may not lead to a deep satisfaction in what I look at my life and go, I accomplished this. But if it serves him, maybe that's something worth putting my hope in. Anyway, we're going to move on, uh, maybe, in, 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 in another bit. But let's take a minute to stop and talk about this idea of our object of hope. What, what is our object of hope? And what invitation do we have to see this uh, Romans chapter 15 reality sowing deeper and becoming a bedrock solid hope for us that the God of all hope would fill us with joy and peace in believing through the experience of our faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit we may abound in hope and overflow in confidence with his promises. You know, where that starts is with a flow from the Spirit that gives us something to hope in. When the object of hope becomes that which the Spirit is revealing, I'm in a rock-solid hope spot. Yeah, Let's talk about this for a minute. All right, we got another verse. We got another little piece of this. We're going to have one more little discussion bit, and then we're going we're gonna to get ourselves off the hook. Yeah. 
look, I, um, yeah, I trust the, I trust the conversations around that are, are fruitful. I think, you know, as we start to enter into this, we start to, we start to move towards some opportunity to begin to see um, objects of hope a bit differently. And I think what we want to introduce, you know, and, and create permission for in our journey together, because let's be honest, you know, there's, there's a lot around us that tells us we're crazy not just to live the life that the world offers us, right? Like, I mean, maybe, maybe you feel like you're nuts for it. I mean, I remember one time when Leela and I were living in Malawi and I was talking to phone, Curtis on the phone, you know, and he, he was getting all emotional and getting all sappy and saying all really nice things, which I really appreciated. But he just said, thank you for being such a lunatic. You know, basically was what he was saying. Yeah, you said, thank you for being um, such a permissive existence to not follow a, a reasonable path. Basically, you were saying you're a loser, living a not so life, going nowhere, and it's erratic, and but it's creating permission to go. My life doesn't have to follow a normal path. And I thought to myself, I think sometimes in our journey, we do need permission to go, hey, maybe the gospel is okay to live by, and maybe actually like hoping in something other than whatever is actually okay. And actually, maybe there is something more to this, and maybe it is worth it, and actually, maybe it works. Maybe it works. Maybe it works. And I think that's what we want to create permission here for this morning is to go, hey, you know what? It's okay to hope in something that's beyond what this world has to offer and beyond what everybody around you tells you your life should look like and it should be. And if God's calling you towards something that doesn't look like a path that feels comfortable, maybe it's okay. Because if he's saying it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. But anyways, in, in Romans chapter 8, you know, we find another passage that talks about hope. In Romans 8, 24 to 25, it says, For in this hope, so the preceding passage is really talking about, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Curtis, because I'm. Just read 22 and then we'll read the other two. 22. Let's start at 22, according to. We'll go on the, we'll go on the journey for the setup. For we know that the whole creation has been moaning together as in, in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only this, but we too who have the first fruits of the Spirit, a joyful indication of the blessings to come. Even we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the sign of our adoption as sons, the redemption and transformation of our body at the resurrection. For in this hope we were saved. By faith, but hope, the object of which is seen, is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly for it with patience and in composure. I'm going to read 24 to 25 one more time. For in this hope we were saved by faith. So the hope that we would one day be resurrected to the fullness of Christ, that we would live as Christ lived, that we would, it's saying that Christ was the first son of all of us, that his life was the example, that his resurrection was the plan of God, and that each of us is being called into his existence, that we would both die and be resurrected to full new life. And he's saying the whole of creation is groaning as if in birth. It's growing. There's something growing within us. There's something growing and we are to give birth to something that's yet to come. There's something to be seen, which is yet to be seen. We have a hope that's being formed within us that we are yet to see. This is, this is what it's talking about. For in this hope, we were saved by faith. 
But hope, the object of which is seen, is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly for it with patience and composure. You know, this this notion of what do we hope for that we haven't seen? And where is it safe to place our hope? And what is it that has captivated and captured us as humans that is holding on to our ultimate hope? And I want to propose this morning that there is a promise for believers that this life is not all there is. That in fact, our greatest hope is something that will never be met or never be satisfied or never be accomplished in our earthly existence. I believe our safest place to place our hope is on an eternal existence. And when I demand of this life that was made for eternity, something from this world and this human existence that will only be fulfilled in eternity, I'm putting my hope in the wrong piece of the puzzle. And what would it change if we became people? Like, if, if you think about this for a minute, where in your grid for hope is eternity? Life beyond this life. What begins at death for you? When this life is over, when your days are done, when, 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 you know, when King Curtis's body is lying in wait in the cathedral and thousands of passerbys are going by to honor the existence of King Curtis, and the days are all done and the life is over, what begins? What begins? Do we believe? Do we believe that something begins? Do we believe that our greatest life and our greatest existence, in fact, isn't in this world? Do we believe that we were made for eternity and that actually the greatest act that Jesus Christ accomplished was not that he would give us a good life on earth, but that he would prepare a place for us, that we would share all of eternity together with him in the fullness of all that he meant for his people for all of eternity? Do we hope for that? Is there there any part of us that takes our hoper and places it on something that says the best is not ever going to come in this world. But my hope is on an eternity where I will be with Christ and everything will be fulfilled as only he could. It's beyond anything I could ask or imagine. It's beyond anything that this world could offer or my uh, my heart could hope for in this existence. Like where is our hope for eternity? And how does it change how we live when our greatest hope is eternity. What does it change for us? I can tell you some of the things that it's changing for me. You know, like Leela started this conversation in our house a few years ago. She goes, our hope isn't in our superannuation fund. Our hope isn't in the house that we live in. Our hope isn't in any of this, it can't be. She's like, we're made for eternity. Like she was coming to these revelations a few years ago where she was getting a little bit nutso about it. And I was like, shh, 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 darling, it's okay. (laughs) Some of these things don't have to be said. But she was like, well, what would it look like to roll our lives in on storing up treasures in heaven and not on earth? What would it look like to believe that the greatest things are gonna come beyond this life? What would we value if we let go of this life? Well, I think that's the death to which we're called. And it takes a great trust in a God and a great faith that resurrection is real. Because if the purpose of life is death, that we might be resurrected, resurrection is the hope. 
right? I, I mean, I, you cannot make these things land with words. Like you, I can't, you can't, you can't. There is a spirit of God who reveals to us the hope of eternity and will minister within our being that which gives us what we were meant to live for. And we're not called to live for this earth. We're not called to live for what this world has to offer. Our greatest hope as followers of Christ has nothing to do with the house you live in or the vacation you take or the family you form or the relationships you have. Those are all just the foretaste. This is all just the warm-up act. This is all just death. And I don't mean to be miserable about our life because this is what we've been given and it's what we have to steward today. But what about letting a hope grow in our hearts for an eternity that says, doesn't matter what happens in my days here on earth, my God has an incredible future for me. And I want this life to glorify him. And I trust he'll reward me. You know, he says, anyone who gives up anything on this earth for my sake will be rewarded 10 times, even 100 times in this life to come, in, in the life to come and in this life. Well, the best thing that we could do is just get focused on our God who says, I'll, I'll roll it all in on you. I'm gonna let eternity tell the story. And my greatest hope is gonna be based on an existence that this world will never confirm. And so then I need this. But we hope for what we do not see and we wait eagerly with it. For patient, with patience and composure. What are we waiting for? I tell you, you're not waiting for the breakthrough in your existence here. You're not waiting for your husband to come. You're not waiting for the house. You're not waiting for your finances. Yes, God's gonna prove himself in all these pieces of our story, but it's not what you're waiting for. You're waiting for eternity. You're waiting for the day that you're brought to a full resurrection where all that you believe and all that you experience a taste of in your spirit today becomes the only thing you are now experiencing. Can we, can we reflect on that for a minute and just go, is there an eternity and is it safe to hope for it? And what does it change? What does it steady out? What does it firm up? What does it give me in my days today when I have something more to hope for than the next outcome that I'm waiting on? What can, I, what can I have a courage to suffer through when I know this isn't the whole story? God doesn't have to prove himself to me in all these things. He's going to prove himself. He'll have his moment. He's already proved himself. You know, like what about when we come to that kind of confident trust in him and this faith that goes deep that says, let this life glorify you because I know all the best stuff is coming. And whatever these days would require of me, whatever these days would mean for me, let it serve an eternal existence or I'm going to get my reward. And you don't have to reward me today because I'm going to store it up up there and whatever you have for me, I'm going to receive it in fullness. And I know as one who hopes for eternity, my reward will be rich and I will not miss out. Can we let a hope rise for that? Can we let a hope rise that goes, we're not made just for this world. There's more. And let's not disregard the life that we have to live. Let, let's let this life glorify him. And, and, and let this life then not demand all that our heart would hope for. Because we got hopes. Because he's put them in there. But this world's never going to fulfill what's in here. Because this heart's been made for eternity. And it will be satisfied. It will be pulled, fulfilled. But I will wait patiently with composure, knowing that resurrection's coming. I don't know if this sounds all too long-term and too hope deferred or whatever the case might be, but there is, a, there, is a truth, there is a truth within this that changes our days and gives us a permission to let these lives be for him. Because it's not all there is. It's not all there is. All right, we're gonna, 
we're going to take 10 minutes and just reflect on this idea of placing our hope on eternity and what does it change? What permission does it afford us and what does it shift when my greatest hope and don't, don't deny yourself the things you hope for in this life. That's not what this message is about. This message isn't about denying yourself the things you hope for in this life. It's not saying, oh, stop worrying about your house or your husband or those things. No, 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 no. It's just saying there's a greater hope. And when your greatest hope is eternity, the outcomes that happen in this lifetime are steadied out. Whatever happens here is just the business of getting there. And, and that, that is rock solid hope. That is hope that will never disappoint. And we won't know. That's why it's held in the unseen. That's why, that's why faith and trust are required that that could be our hope. Because we don't know anybody who's here telling us that that's coming. You know, we have our stories of walls coming down or whatever, kids being born or whatever our stories are, we have them, but we don't have this story. It will always be unseen and only ever held with faith. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about that for a minute. And then Curtis is going to come back and he's going to minister the rest of this passage over us by reading it to us. And just there's so much hope in Romans chapter 8. And so we'll come back, we'll do that, and then we'll worship our way out. So let's jump in. So if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience and composure. And, um, and then I just want to read, I want to read the rest of it because I think it will be so, it can be so, helpful to us as we think about this because what do we do now what do we do with this and so i would encourage you to go back and read the rest of romans 8 um but here we go in the same way the spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness we don't we don't know what to, uh, prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should but the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. As I was sitting in this passage this week, I just was like, how do I let this like sink in? How do I let this be real? And this, this next, this, this section tells us just like lean into him like he'll do it. He'll do it. He's the one who will rise it up. Yeah. We don't know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should. I like that. But the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. This is, he prays for us as this is, that's the passage. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. For those he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, ultimately to share in his complete sanctification, so that we would be the firstborn, beloved, and honored among believers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified and declared free of guilt and sin. And those he justified, he glorified, raising them to heavenly dignity. What then shall we say to all of these things that we've talked about this morning? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect, God's chosen ones? It is God who justifies, declaring us blameless and putting us in right relationship with himself. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty, and more than that, who was raised to life from the dead. He's at the right hand of God, and he's interceding with the Father for us. He's praying for us. <laughs> Who shall ever separate us from this love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, as it is written, forever remains written. For your sake, we're put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither life, death, nor life, nor angels, or principalities, or present threatens wars, rumors of wars, yeah, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, I just want to... I just want... the truth of that to settle on us, Father, as a family. I know it's a kind of a strange thought I was sharing with my group before that I just um, saying to Carolina, maybe we need to have an, another kid because I, I saw some lady and she was beautiful because she's pregnant. And I know it's a strange thing to talk about, but it's like, I just find ladies who are pregnant just beautiful. They glow. They have this glow about them that's just beautiful to me. And, and that's the picture here. That's the picture here of a, of a, a pregnancy. That's, that's how this started in this passage. It's, a, it's like the earth is groaning. We, it's pregnant with expectation. Life is all designed to lead to eternity, to the full sanctification, to to communion with each other and with him. And it's coming, it's coming and it's expectation. And actually, as we get closer and closer, you know, it's more, more and more pregnant and more and more real and the expectation is growing. And my life, this wisp of a life, this breath of a life is, um, I get to live it like as part of that glow and I, I get to be that glow actually I get to get to people get to look and see like I have some kind of hope in something that's beyond me and that, and I'm, I get to be part of that beauty that thing that he designed he actually designed it that way that our hope would grow and that it would draw men to himself I just really believe that and and so these things that we're facing this struggle all these things are about something 
He's working it all together for the good. And if it, and, and my story has a lot of wrong choices that have led me to right places, to this place, even right now. And so he can take all of that and he's bringing it all together and he can use it for his good and he can use it for his glory. And I'm just, I'm pumped about that. I'm excited about that. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for that. I don't deserve that. Thank you that I get to be part of that. Thank you that we get to to be part of this glow, this pregnant glow. And may our lives be a reflection to the people around us and the world around us and anyone who comes into contact with who we are, Father, that they would see you. And they would see this confident expectation that we have that you're going to do something um, with this life that we have. And you're going to get your way and you're going to um, bring and draw all men to yourself and that you can do that and I just um, I almost want to trust you for that for the good things ahead yeah. mature us Father mature us beyond just what we want may we reach for more than that this week may we question the hope that we have and constantly return to you and say well, what is it that you're doing what is it that you're hoping 